It's that time again. It's ASGCA Insights, the official podcast of the American Society of Golf Course Architects. And now, from our studios in beautiful Brookfield, Wisconsin, it's your host, Mark Whitney. Welcome to ASGCA Insights. Joining me today is one of the most recognizable figures in the golf industry, not only in golf course architecture. Reese Jones is a legend of golf course design, and I am proud to welcome him to the podcast. Reese, thank you for joining me today. Great to be with you, my friend. Uh, Reese, it's easy to get lost in the numbers, but the numbers are really staggering when it comes to your career. So I'm going to toss out a few here just at the start. Designed or redesigned more than 230 golf courses around the world. The courses that you have designed or redesigned have hosted more than three dozen national and international championships including 14 U.S. Opens, 14 PGA Championships, and seven Ryder Cups. Uh, a lifetime in golf, course architect, in golf course architecture, a well-earned moniker of the Open Doctor. That's a lot of stuff. Yeah, I guess I've been around a long time, and I got it started very early with my father. And I want to get to that uh, here shortly, but I wanted to, did want to start off, though, uh, with what is immediately in front of us. And that's the 2021 U.S. Open taking place at Torrey Pines in Southern California. Reese, I know that you and your team, your, the work you've done at Torrey Pines goes back now a couple of decades. You did a major redesign in 2001 and then additional work leading up to the 2008 U.S. Open, a, a tremendous event that featured uh, Tiger Woods and Rocco Media playing the, the additional day of 18 holes plus an additional bonus hole as well before Tiger Woods earned the title. Five great days of golf. And then you did more work beginning just a few years ago. Uh, preparing not just for the for the U.S. Open this week, but also for the annual PGA tournament that is held at Torrey Pines. So can you talk a little bit about some of the most recent work that has happened in the past couple of three years? Well, let me start with the beginning. Uh, when, when we did Beth Page over and it was going to host the U.S. Open, the group from Torrey Pines, uh, which they called themselves the Friends of Torrey Pines, uh, formed and they wanted to have another public entity on the West Coast host our national championship. And so I went out in two, year 2000 to the Pebble Beach Open, met with the USGA, and they said, build it and we will come. And so we had to do it first before they would, uh, they would actually pick the site, whereas Beth Page Black, they picked the site, and then we had to rebuild it. And then uh, we generated $3.5 million privately and rebuilt the whole golf course, redesigned the whole golf course, brought the features to the natural hazards, brought it closer to the ocean, and uh, really created a championship test. In 2019, we went back every 15 years, the city relooks at all their facilities and refurbishes them and uses the same funds that they generate from the golf operations. So there's no tax revenue that did this work. It was funds generated from uh, the revenue produced by Torrey Pines. And then we built a new irrigation system regressed the surrounds of the greens and the approaches, added some length, re, uh, took out bunkers that were penalizing the average golfer, put them in spots where they would uh, actually be in place for the better players in, in light of the technology change that occurred over 20 years. And then we uh, actually moved some tees so that the 17th, so it would play back away from the canyon and the fourth hole, so it would play back away from the ocean widened the fourth hole closer to the ocean and did a lot of little things that have been very well received by the pros in the last two farmers insurance opens. 
so it, as a spectator, when we're when we're watching the tournament here this year, uh, I always like to to ask this, and I know that you don't have particular favorites on one hole or another, but are there a couple that stand out to you that as as a spectator we'd want to keep an eye on, either in the way that 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 the hole itself might play, or the way that it might play in relation to to past opens. Well, in past events, um, you know, Torrey Pines has a lot of really wonderful holes. But what I've learned over the years, having done so many U.S. Open redos and been involved with the USGA, is that the significant holes are really on the back nine because a player has either uh, lost uh, his chance of winning open on the front nine, and if he has a disastrous hole like the fourth hole, which where he could hit it in the ocean. And so for the most part, I think the holes that are really going to be uh, determining factors and who is crowned as the champion are probably 11, 12, 13, and 18. And 11 and 12 are really, 11's a, a strong part three with, with a uh, green that is a little wider in the back and more narrow in the front, bracketed by bunkers. Uh, and it seems to be a very hard hole for the best players in the game to approach. 12 hit, plays into the wind over 400 yards. There's a tongue behind the bunker on the left. Uh, that is hard to access. Uh, it's a lot of open entrance in the front, but there's a bunker on the right and bunker on the left. And therefore, if they're hitting in the wind, they're actually hitting mid irons, which is unusual for them. 13 is a 600 yard uh, par five downwind uh, playing away from the Pacific Ocean uh, that they can go for and two, but there's a lot of trouble when they try to do that because there's bunkers sliding up the right side and left side. There's an open entrance. But if they hit one of those far bunkers, uh, they're going to have a very difficult approach shot to the green. It has a nice valley in the middle. When the pin is in the valley, it's you can make an eagle. Then it has two wings, uh, higher elevations that are hard to access from a long distance. So they're probably more accessible with a wedge shot down from the valley. If they miss it and play safe in the valley, they really can't see the pins. So it's uh, it gets into their heads a little bit. Uh, that they can't see the bottom of the flag. So that's going to be a determining factor because there will be birdies, possibly eagles, as Tiger achieved in the 2008 U.S. Open. And then 18 is the really the, the par five that they can almost all reach into. And the USGA, when I talked to John Bodenhammer a couple of days ago, they are going to set it up so it can be reachable in two. So the back nine, 10 through 16, you have some very, very demanding holes, uh, hard to make birdies, but then 17 and 18 are birdieable and uh, 18 has an eagle opportunity, but it's a great green because it has four distinct sections. Uh, the pin will probably be in the exact spot on the last day where Tiger made that 12 foot putt to get into the playoff with, with Rocco Mediate. And you referenced the, the USGA in, in that in that description that you just gave. Uh, this is the final year that Mike Davis be working with the, the USGA on, on the U.S. Open. Uh, what sort of uh, interaction happens, if any, between yourself and the folks with the USGA in the week of the tournament itself? Obviously, you're very close to them in the in the in the weeks and months and even years leading up to an event. Uh, but is there much interaction? Or are they asking your thoughts or your opinions on things at all? Yes, and John Bodenhammer is now the new setup guy, and uh, he's done the last three setups, uh, Pebble Beach, Wingfoot, and now Torrey Pines. Uh, during the process of our uh, renovation in 2019, he and uh, Darren Brevard and 
uh, Jeff Hall would come out and go over the site with us, as would the PGA Tour officials. Uh, so we really had to work with them and explain to them what we were trying to achieve. And they had sort of different views to some degree, uh, because I think the USGA likes to see it a little bit tougher and the tour likes to see it a little bit more playable. Uh, so we had to work with them and achieve that. Uh, but we worked with them throughout. And I just talked to John Bodenhammer a couple of days ago about how he's going to set up the course. He was asking me what I thought. Uh, and it's just a wonderful relationship. And I, I think he's a superstar. When you have more than 36 major events to choose from, I'm not going to ask which one is your favorite, but do you remember the first major championship project you worked on? Um, it was the country club at Brookline, um, which um, a lot of people didn't think it would be tough enough uh, to host the U.S. Open. And so we went in there and took out all the, the features that didn't conform with the past designs. And we added length, repositioned the bunkers. And it was much like what my father did at Oakland Hills. Um, and the number one player in the game, Curtis Strange, uh, won the U.S. Open in a playoff with Nick Faldo. So the cream rose to the top and everybody was happy. Uh, and they're going to host another U.S. Open next year. We're talking with Reese Jones, one of only a handful of individuals who have received the ASGCA Donald Ross Award, the old Tom Morris Award, and the Don Rossi Award. And of course, as you've referenced, the, the son of Robert Trent Jones Sr., a founding member of the American Society of Golf Course Architects. Reese, golf course architecture clearly is in your blood. Uh, so let's go back. What's one of the earliest memories you have of either seeing your father, perhaps at a drafting table, or visiting a project with him? What, what are the early memories like? Well, we used to travel by car, uh, you know, believe it or not, back in my father's time, flying on planes was a DC-3. So a lot of times we'd go to the Dunes Club when he was doing it in the 19, late 1940s and stay in Myrtle Beach, which was great for me because they had uh, you know, wonderful hotels, wonderful uh, activities for kids and wander out on the Dunes Club, which is one of the great golf courses in America today and it's patterned after uh, the work he did at Augusta National at the same time with the same construction crew. And you can see that pattern a little bit in today uh, with Augusta, with the, uh, the Dunes Club. So I remember that. And I just remember uh, working with Dad at Baltus Roll in 1954. I measured drives for him. Uh, got, I became an official when I was 13 years old. Uh, and I measured the drives so he'd know where to locate the fairway bunkers at uh, – the Olympic Club, or Oak Hill on his next U.S. Opens. Was he receptive as you were growing up and, 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 and building upon you know, your own sort of firsthand experience uh, to ideas or recommendations you might have had for him? Um, no, I really didn't make uh, at, that, at that point many uh, uh, suggestions because I was just really uh, learning and I, I, you know, I was observing and I was just a kid. Um, you know, later on when I worked for him for 10 years, um, you know, I made a lot of suggestions. We went back and forth and, uh, golf course architecture, as you know, is very subjective. Um, and you, some things, uh, they, a lot of things work, but some things just don't work like a, an uphill green that falls away because you can't hold it. Um, so, uh, you know, for the most part, I was learning when I was making my suggestions and I had a guy named Bill Baldwin, who was his construction uh, foreman, really built most of his golf courses. And uh, 
he taught me what I should know and what I shouldn't do. Um, but he'd always say to me, you know, Reese, that's a good question, but have you ever thought about thinking it this way? He never really criticized me, which was a nice way to learn. And as you go through your projects today, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm guessing that you might still hear your father's voice in the back of your head from time to time as you're considering various options. Well, yes, I just did Coral Ridge Country Club over, which was the family club in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And um, I really, I kept a lot of his ideas. I brought the modern technology into play. I rebuilt the entire golf course, elevated it so it would drain better. Uh, but at the same time, I, I'd been there. I played a lot with my father. And I was really listening to him from above as far as a lot of the things that he did. And I kept a lot of his ideas while I changed a lot of the features at the same time. Coral Ridge is a place that you spent a great deal of time as a youngster, wasn't it? Absolutely. So I played there hundreds of times and I was there when he was building in the first place. And, uh, you know, my mother would take us out of school and take our, our books. And uh, we spent several weeks in Florida during the wintertime. It wasn't bad for a kid. <laughs> not, not bad today either. I would think, uh, right. You're, without specifically saying it, you're talking legacy here, and you're talking about the, the legacy that, that your father first helped establish, not only in the design work that he did, but also in his role as a founder of, the, of ASGCA. I, I can't let you get away without mentioning the upcoming 75th year of the American Society of Golf Course Architects. When I talk to people about ASGCA, they're sometimes amazed at a group of men and women who literally are in professional competition with each other can also come together each year to share education and friendship and simply learn with and from each other. It's a pretty unique group that your father helped to found and that you and your fellow members continue today. It is a, a wonderful opportunity for all of us to get together on an annual basis and also at the superintendent's meeting uh, because we are a small group of professionals uh, that really learn from one another because golf course architecture is a craft. So being a member of the ASGCA is a very important part of our learning process because we interact with our fellow members and we talk about different sites, different areas, different uh, type of design ideas, different trends. And uh, you only learn that from another person who's in the same profession as yours. So I think there's a true value in also the educational aspect. We keep up to date on all the rules and regulations, both governmental and environmental. And uh, I think it's, it keeps us up to date uh, as far as our profession is concerned. I think the, the friendships I've developed with Bob Cup and Steve Smyers and hanging out with Roger Rulwich and Cal Robinson at the meeting and, these, and the interchange and playing golf with one another and analyzing golf courses that we play. We play golf courses to learn. It's a learning experience. And then we discuss what we're looking at with one another and really get the divergent views. So it's a very, very valuable experience getting together once a year. Uh, well, I, I will press on here and uh, I've only got a couple more questions here for you and I'll, I will let you go. Uh, do, you, do you remember your first ASGCA annual meeting? I do. Uh, it was in Boca Raton, Florida. And uh, I was in awe of all the golf course architects that I was around. They welcomed me. I was a young man. Uh, I was there with Ed C. and Bill Amick. We were new members at the same time. And uh, it was a small group. Uh, and it was just wonderful to be around them, play golf with them, exchange ideas, and learn from them.
and uh, I just want to point out uh, an area that has that has grown a lot in the golf industry and golf course architecture in recent years has been the promotion of additional and forward tees. And I know this is an area that you've been working on for quite a long time. Uh, in fact, I remember talking to you a couple of years ago and you said you were starting to see the game a little differently because now you were serving as a caddy for one of your grandchildren. Uh, what, what are the challenges that are faced and what's the value of, of courses and facilities looking to add more and additional? I think it's a tees? major trend to add the forward tees and to really make sure that every player, as long as they have some capabilities, can achieve their goals when they play around the golf. And I think you have more open entrances, more shot options more better angles into the surfaces, uh, good areas to drive to. Uh, and I think we're trying to make golf courses much more enjoyable and playable while still maintaining the challenge of the game, which if you don't maintain the challenge, there's no sense in playing it. So I think the forward tee really enables uh, shorter hitters, uh, young people and older people to enjoy the game for a lifetime. So much information can be found at your website, and I encourage folks to visit reesejonesinc.com for more information on the great work that you and your team are doing. But one of the tabs in particular on your homepage caught my eye, and it simply says the environment. Why is it so important that visitors to your website and those of us who enjoy the game so much know the role that architects play in the area of the, of the nature? Well, natural I served for uh, a dozen years on the USJ's uh, Turf Grass and Environmental Research Committee. And I think golf has been more uh, forward thinking per, about protecting the environment when we do our projects than probably any other industry. And I think that uh, the, the, the ASGCA and the Superintendent Association are getting this word out of uh, really how we enhance properties. I mean, we take uh, properties that have been abandoned for other usages and reclaim them, reclaim them for the habitat, for the wetlands, and uh, really make them. Uh, part of uh, the environment that they probably had in the past, but then reinstate it. Uh, so I think we do a lot for the environment. I don't think we get enough credit. And lastly, Reese, I just uh, don't want to let you go. The uh, Tory Pines coming up, and I know that's not the only thing that's happening in your world. Any other courses or projects you just want to give a shout well, out doing to a, right a now? Project my father in Tarzana, California, El Caballero Country Club in Tarzana, California. I went there as a kid with my father, a young man, while I was in college. And now I'm returning and using modern technology, getting uh, it back to what he envisioned and making it better. And uh, it's really an exciting project for a wonderful group of people. My guest has been one of my favorite people in the golf industry, Reese Jones. Reese, thank you so much for joining us. You're very welcome. That concludes this episode of ASGCA Insights. I'm Mark Whitney. You can find past episodes of this podcast and more information about golf course architecture at ASGCA.org or download insights from Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Thank you for listening, and until next time, so long.